Welcome to Florida Basketball Hour. I'm Neil Blackman, Saturday Down South. On this week's show, we are joined by Matt Wolf, Ticket Time Machine, various uh, different enterprises matt is running a game for for gator greats he's going to tell you about it Longtime gator fan longtime listener of the show uh, so we're, we're really thrilled to talk to him we'll also dive into mike white's preseason press conference uh we had some thoughts on on some of the things mike said about the team playing faster uh front court development freshmen making impacts and much more enjoy uh kind of dive right in Got a lot to talk about tonight, um, which is kind of cool at the end of July. Uh, and we're not on Kerry Blackshear watch this year, so we could just we could just talk ball. Mike White uh, met the media with the team getting back on campus this week uh, and said a lot of interesting stuff. Eric, you want to dive into the press conference a little bit? Hey, I, there's one thing about White that I don't think that Florida fans really like appreciate to its fullest extent. Uh, and, and that's really the fact that White is just so open in his press conferences. And and I know it's something that you and me talk about often. You often say uh, it's something that's almost a fault of his. At, or sorry, I should say he is. Oh, you say he is open to a fault because sometimes he is so brutally honest uh, that he gets into some scenarios that's, that most coaches wouldn't because they don't actually give real answers or think about the questions that are being asked. But uh, White is so open. It's something that I don't think fans appreciate enough. And if uh, it's something that I wish that a lot of Florida fans would go and watch a bunch of other teams in the SEC's head coaches press conferences, see that they say nothing and hide behind questions and give uh, kind of cookie cutter answers. And yeah, you're, you're really going to, going to appreciate uh, Mike White and how open he is. So so he had a press conference over Zoom the other day, the, last week, and uh, predictably it was it was really good. And there was a lot of really good stuff there because uh, because White is so, so open about a lot of things. And uh, I, I think the first thing we've got to talk about is uh, one of the first questions that came up was, uh, hey, are you going to speed things up? Uh, we Did you slow it down because of the roster last year? And then White said something that was uh, pretty open and honest. He said, playing fast is in my DNA. It's, it's what I want to do. It's what our guys want to do. And he he knows it's what the fans want to see as well. And uh, Neil, I just kind of want your reaction to that. Uh, White suggesting that it's uh, playing fast is in his DNA, saying that it's something that the guys want to do, and also saying that it's something the fans want to see. A, a little bit of an acknowledgement and a little little hat tip to uh, to the fans that he obviously hears from who who who, uh, who want to see the team play faster. What what were your thoughts about that? Yeah, I mean, I thought both those things were interesting, and it was really candid of Coach. He he's always kind of uh, been candid, and I think I think we talked about this last year that sometimes it gets him in trouble. Because he wants so badly to give an honest answer and to have like the guy is just transparent in everything he does. There's not so like when coach speak would be easier, he will say something that you know the fans will jump all over. Like, well, we weren't really sure what adjustment to make or something like that, right? And he's just being honest, like you know, on a night where nothing's working and you're down twenty at Missouri. When you say something like that, people are like, oh, of course you don't. <laughs> and, and like, you know, as a coach, I can tell you what he actually meant was they tried a bunch of stuff and nothing was working. Right. But, you, you know, so that I, I don't know. I, I, I just I don't want to belabor that point too much because I think what he said forward thinking is, is very interesting. 
And that to me was this, this comment about it being both A and DNA and B, something fans want to see, um, you mentioned. But I got, what I found was fascinating was that the players want to see it. Uh, the players want to play that way. That they, you know, and I started thinking about it and I said, you know what? Most of these guys on campus now, um, in fact, was anyone on campus now at the PK80? Oh, gosh. Wow. Uh, <laughs> no, 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 <laughs> that, no. That caught me off guard. I'm going I'm to say no as I remember. There is not a player. There's not a player. There's not a player on the Florida roster because Dante Bassett is gone. Um, that that played for Florida at the PK80 when they were like America's sweetheart for a month. Um. You know, even when they got boat raced by FSU like a week later, they hardly dropped in the polls. You know, it wasn't until uh, they they like kind of bobbled against Loyola Chicago a few days later that they they tumbled out of the polls. The rich irony there. <laughs> but um, you know, that that's a team I bet that some of these guys that had that committed just after the PK eighty or just before it. You know, they, they bought into that brand of basketball when they committed. It's kind of the point I'm making. Or when they were getting recruited heavily, they saw that brand of basketball. And, you know, I, I don't – I know Scotty Lewis, um, for example, really wants that chance to get out and show his athleticism on both ends. Uh, I think he thinks that, you know, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a better way for him to play and a better way for him to shine offensively. Um, I think with Tyree Appleby, you're the Tyree Appleby expert. So I, I rarely offer analysis on Appleby, <laughs> but I would say having watched some of the video, I've watched him, you know, very comfortable playing quick, um, you know, and, and capable because he can change speeds with the ball. Uh, you know, the guy I think it's hardest on is Noah Locke, um, both from an athleticism standpoint and his transition triple numbers aren't awesome, but he loves the shot. He's not afraid of it. He just doesn't make it that much. So like, it's not that surprising to me that he might want to play that way. So, you know, I look at Florida's roster, Omar Payne, a rim runner that, that I think would love to be a scary trailer. Right. <laughs> um, you know, there's a lot of pieces there and Florida's going to be the other thing about Florida. I think that, that Eric and I have hinted at is they're going to be pretty deep. You know, I think they could play, especially if Colin Castleton gets a waiver, you're really looking at 10 guys that, that are going to potentially get, you know, 10 minutes a game. So Castleton waiver, uh, that, uh, while we're talking this press conference, it was confirmed that, uh, that they'll be seeking waiver for Castleton. In, in my opinion, they're, they're going to get it. Uh, I don't know if you have a different opinion. Kind of uh, in, in the scheme of things, not huge news, but uh, it's worth noting. And yeah. uh, Neil, this also, uh, this also reminds me, I had a listener question someone sent me uh, a few weeks ago. We went a little sure. bit with that before a show, uh, and now I'm not going to be able to. I'll have to try to find it while I, while I talk here because I was going to bring it up on the last show and I forgot to. But, uh, uh, but the question was essentially, uh, he asked me, he said, hey, Eric, you have referenced a few times that the better team should want to play fast and the slower team should want to play slower. And he asked me to elaborate. And I think this kind of, uh, this actually really ties into what we're talking about 
talking about because we think that Florida is going to be really talented next year. And I, I was about to say something about how how Florida should want to try to play faster. And uh, this really ties into this gentleman's question, who I now forget the name of, but we'll try to find. But he's going to be listening and, and hopefully he's happy. But uh, uh, the reason why uh, better teams genu- generally want to play faster is because uh, basketball is a game where, like, I know you you think about it as, uh, you want to get more points than the other team, but really basketball is is who wins the most possessions between uh, between offense and defense. You want to win more possessions than than your opponent, and if you are the better team, you want more sample size for your better talent to come out of the wash. Like an example of this would be like say Tiger Woods says, "Hey, uh, actually not Tiger Woods, Florida Gator alumni Billy Horschel says, "Hey, if you beat me at golf, I'll give you a million dollars, and you get to pick." how many rounds we play. You can even pick how many holes we play. So if you were to say, hey, let's play a whole weekend. Let's do it like the PGA Tour. There's no chance that you, an amateur golfer, are going to be able to beat Billy Horschel because over that number of holes, 18 holes over multiple days, uh, his his greater quality of play, his higher skill is going to show itself more and more and more, and he's going to beat you by a lot of strokes. Uh, instead of playing multiple rounds, what if you played only one round? Well, then the score is probably going to be different than if you played four rounds against him. And let's extrapolate that even more. Say you played one par three hole against Billy Horschel. Will you probably lose? Yes. But will you have a better opportunity to beat him in a one hole scenario? Uh, yes, you'll beat. You'll, you'll have a better chance of beating him over four, you know, 64 holes of golf. So, so that's a little bit like basketball. If you're the better team, you want there to be more possessions because the lower number of possessions there's going there, there is, uh, the more kind of very variation there's going to be, uh, the more chance there is for, for an upset. So uh, another thing I like to say, uh, people who I talk to and try to explain this and some coaches that I've talked to that talk about analytics, it's like, Hey, say that, uh, say that we had a dice and, and I told you, hey, for for every time the dice lands on three, four, five, or six, I'll give you a dollar. And for every time it lands on one or two, you give me a dollar. And you have five minutes to roll the dice as many as you, as many times as you can. How many times are you going to roll the dice in that five minutes? You're going to want to roll it as many times as you possibly can because you know your odds are better than mine. So for that reason, you want a high number and you want those odds to really bear out. Whereas, say, I was rolling the die and I needed it to land on one, two for me. I'd want to roll it as few times as possible uh, and just hope that because of that variation that it lands more on me. So that was one of these one of the questions that, that someone asked I thought was really interesting because it is something that I uh, that I've mentioned a few times on this podcast and probably should have talked about more. And uh, yeah, it kind of it has something to really do with this upcoming Florida Gators season, because I, I think the team is going to be really talented. I think they're going to be one of the most talented teams in the country. And therefore, I think that they should be trying to play a little bit faster and try to get more more possessions into these games so that their talent can really show out and bear out over a large amount of numbers, a large or a large number of uh, a large number of possessions. Uh, what, what do you have to say to that? Yeah, no, I, I, I mean, I agree with that. And, you know, I do think. The other thing, the only thing I would add is a kind of, you know, and Eric knows I, I was a defensive coordinator basically uh, for, for a good program. And, and we always thought that really elite defensive teams are okay limiting possessions too. Mm. Right. And so that's what made last year kind of fascinating to, to me a little bit was, you know, Florida maybe picking up tempo somewhat. Uh, when they realized that they weren't going to be as good defensively as they traditionally were under Mike White, you know, and I thought that was interesting because 
the year before, not only was Florida very young and so not as sure about their talent, but the strength of the team was so clearly defense with the SEC's best defender. Yeah, I said it. Um, <laughs> he, he didn't have to win the award to be the SEC Defensive Player of the Year to me. Um, in Kavarius Hayes. So I, I kind of felt like that made some sense. Like they were going to, that's how they were going to play. And, you know, offensively, they were going to have to grind for points because Hayes wasn't a natural scorer. Andrew wasn't a guy that necessarily was going to create his own shot. Certainly as a freshman, even less capable of doing that. They were limited on wings. I mean, they had to pretty much, and Jalen Hudson's game fell off a cliff. So, the guy that they thought would be the straw that stirred the drink for them offensively didn't really show up until March. <laughs> so, you know, um, and Kayvon Allen was basically like, look at the numbers. He was basically Kayvon Allen. I know, I know Eric and I beat that to death on the pod. So we don't, we won't dive back into that one, but um, at the end of the day, stylistically, it made some sense. Right. And I don't think that that's, you know, necessarily next year, like playing quicker might make sense. And and if you look at his deepest team in particular at Louisiana Tech, that would have been his 29 and 18 that uh, I think would have done some, some real damage in the NCAA tournament. And that team played nine and played pretty quick. And I, you know, they lost a conference tournament final. And I know a lot of people thought, uh, you know, maybe they, they they deserved a little better from the committee on uh, on Selection Sunday, but but it didn't work out, and so that's kind of how it went. But I would say that that particular basketball team, which is real fast, real athletic, you know, not necessarily a natural center, sort of a rim runner. Um, you know, I know Eric's talked about that team a little bit. Personnel-wise, Florida reminds me of that group. And I think, uh, you know, I think the makeup of the team certainly supports playing fast, too. So uh, just I just noticed something that that I just find heinous, and I just have to bring it up on this podcast. So that year, uh, Louisiana Tech was 37th in Ken Palm, which uh, you know normally puts you in uh, in the tournament picture. Oh, so the, they obviously, should have been in the NCAA tournament. Yeah. So so they missed it. Uh, there was a team at 50th in Ken Palm, which was UMass, and they were a six seed in the NCAA tournament. So uh, that's. Uh, that's that's just wild to me that that UMass an A10 team uh, A10 normally doesn't really get the benefit of the doubt uh, but yeah they were a they were a six seed uh, <laughs> despite being 50th in Ken Palm so yeah that's really got to sting the coaching staff uh, l- looking at that oh look uh, Colorado was a- uh, 67th in Ken Palm they were uh, uh, they were eighth they were an eight seed that year so yeah some some questionable decisions but uh, uh, which is just interesting to see how much. Uh, uh, to see how how my even like that was you know 2014 or whatever that wasn't that long ago but already uh, you're seeing in the last couple of years them really refining this process but because uh, yeah there's there's no question if that Mike White Louisiana Tech team was was this season or this past season uh, they're getting in the NCAA tournament. Oh, they certainly would have, and they beat very good teams that year too. They beat Middle Tennessee. They won a game at Oklahoma. Uh, they played a very nip and tuck game with St. Mary's on the road and lost, but you know, they were out there playing St. Mary's. I mean, you know, so, um, 
Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's kind of ridiculous, but that's, you know, that was one of the big critiques of Mike White was when he got to Florida as well. They'd never been to the NCAA tournament. And it's like, well, they won the league three times. They just lost the conference tournament and didn't get a bid. So, you know. Yeah, but, hey, let's uh, let's imagine if that's a league where, uh, where yeah, your regular season conference title winner goes to the tournament. It doesn't matter about the conference tournament. That would be, <laughs> that's another thing. White could have had multiple postseason berths then. Right, right. So, but, uh, yeah, so we're getting off topic, but but I thought we, I thought that that was super interesting in terms of um, you know that's in our DNA and that the players want it. Yeah, that was uh, that was something that I, I really appreciated. He also said for the this is a direct quote. He said for the first time in a while we'll have a high level of speed, quickness, and athleticism from our whole roster, and I think we'll be very deep. We look forward to playing fast pressing and just and just playing yeah. so uh pressing how what are your thoughts on that because uh the full court press has just not really been a a part of i shouldn't say full court uh any uh three-quarter court full court any true extended pressure anything other than their one three one that really extended to about the half uh, uh the center court line uh that's been about as much as, as florida has done but pressing hasn't been a huge part of uh florida basketball so yeah what uh, I, I know that your ears definitely perked up when he said that so what were your thoughts yeah, my ears perked up, at it, and uh, my ears weren't the only ears that perked up. I, I saw um, – you. I actually don't know if Jay Billis heard this press conference or not, but I, I, you know, I remember seeing him on a, a show late last year uh, before Corona canceled the NCAA tournament, and he was talking about how he felt like with Trey Mann – kind of improving defensively and Keontae Johnson and Scotty Lewis that Florida had three natural pressers. So I kind of wanted to get your thoughts on that because that's three of the six guys I expect to play the most minutes next year. Uh, just something about uh, about the fact that he uh, he said that they were going to be pressing. Uh, so I am someone who I, I've got to spoil an article that I have in the works right now that'll come up um, at some point. It's something I do often on this podcast. I like, uh, I get too excited about an article I'm working on, and then I come on the podcast. And, people like and, that. Uh, and, they like it. and then, hey, it, it's a little bit of like in, in the YouTube community, people talk about like reverse clickbait, where it used to be like, hey, you'll never find out what uh, what this guy said about this. And then people want to click on the link. Whereas you see in like the modern YouTube, they like uh, they say exactly what the topic of the video is and say it right on the nose as if you like don't even need to click on it. So then you like have to click on it so that it can be elaborated on. Uh, I feel like it's a little bit of that. So hopefully you uh, you still want to click on my article when it's out. But, uh, you know, I'm someone who never wants to have take lock. Uh, I'm someone who never wants to be so locked in with uh, with a belief that I have about basketball that I that I can't change in my ways. And and hopefully people see that I uh, I'm willing to change when I come up with uh, when I find new data or or something that changes the way I think. And I am someone in the past, uh, I've written about this, I've talked about it on this very podcast, uh, that I've said that I do not think that uh, that pressing is a viable option in modern high major basketball. Uh, I've said in a couple of contexts, it's come up on the, through the years on this podcast, and it's something I've said a number of times, and I've talked about it on a number of other podcasts and radio and writing. And uh, when, uh, when White said that, hey, this team was going to press, I thought, hey, let's... Uh, 
Uh, let's look at high major basketball teams over the last couple of seasons and let's see let's see what kind of success teams have had pressing and I thought to myself oh I'm going to go do this I'm going to start looking at the numbers it's going to show that pressing is not as good uh, teams are going to give up a lot of easy buckets by fa- uh, by pressing uh, the numbers are not going to be good and I'm going to say and I'm going to write something about hey maybe the Gators should kind of cool it on this whole full court press thing I don't think it's viable that was my expectation the numbers do not actually show that, and it is definitely the opposite. And high major teams that press have had a lot of success, and there are a number of teams in, in the high major ranks over the last couple of years that have been far better pressing than playing in their just their half court. Uh, a lot of those teams were teams that weren't great half court defensive teams, and maybe they were gimmicking it up a little bit by playing full court. But uh, just as uh, there's also some teams that are really good defensively that were really good in the half court, and then they were even better. Uh, when they're pressing full court. So it's something that really kind of shocked me and totally changed the way I think because uh, I went into researching that thinking, hey, pressing is not a super viable option at the high major level. I have totally changed my mind. Uh, I think it is totally viable and uh, it has me really excited what, uh, for what Florida is going to do. Yeah, no, I think it's going to be good. Um, you know, and, and I, think, I think that Florida, you know, is finally kind of in this spot that, that like you said, because they're, because they're very deep, um, you know, there's not the downside to it either from just an exhaustion and fatigue standpoint. Uh, and I don't get the, you know, you spoil articles and, and I make weird, um, comparisons sometimes to other sports. And I, you know, so most of, most of the listeners know that, that I also write about soccer though. So you know, pressing is a a popular strategy in soccer. And one of the things that, because substitutions are limited, it operates a little differently, but you really need, you know, to be deep in the midfield um, in order to press in soccer, because you can't really do it for 90 minutes. Um, And you need substitutes that can come on and are capable of doing it. If you try to do it for 80 to 90 minutes, and so, you know, the deeper your midfield bench is, so to speak, even though you can't freely substitute, the better a pressing team you generally can be. So in basketball, it operates a little similarly. The deeper your bench, uh, the more active you can be with your pressure. I just, it's just not viable to do for 30 to 40, Eric. No, and I think that'll be kind of the next portion of my research for the article is like, hey, what is the sweet spot? Is it... 30% of the time is a 10% of the time. Uh, what is the kind of number where you definitely don't want to get to the point where teams really figure it out and they start one, two, three passes through the zone and they, and suddenly you're giving up an open three. Uh, and that's something else I'll be looking at too, is uh, one of the, uh, one of the huge parts about Florida's defense, one of their kind of core philosophies is that they do not want to give up the three point shot that in a lot of what they do, their defense is about eliminating open threes or, or all threes. And I just, uh, I'll, I'll be interested to see how they handle that within the press because uh, a lot of times in the press I know people think about it as hey if you press and it breaks down you give up open layups but realistically if you have a break that presses uh, your sorry your press gets broken down uh, a lot of times it's corner threes you're giving up so it'll be really interesting to see like hey how does the how does the team play the press? Uh, what are they willing to give up? And uh, hey, it's something super interesting to watch for because hey, style of play is something that we on the podcast love to talk about. 
And uh, I feel like we're going to see a different style play defensively. So that's that's interesting. Uh, another another question I wanted to, uh, or another element of the press conference I wanted to bring up, uh, and I was laughing about it. I chuckled, uh, and it was a question that that I had given to Nick Delatore from Gator Country to ask, and he asked the question, and uh, it, I don't have it in the transcript here, but it was something along the lines of like, "Hey, you've got more wings on the roster this year. How is that speed and length going to affect how you play?" Which I know was a little bit addressed before, uh, but one thing I thought was quite funny was. Uh, White responded to the question by saying, I don't know that we're heavier at the wing spot than we are at the point spot or that we are at the bigs. And I thought it was kind of funny because this team isn't really losing wings this year. They're getting three wings added to the roster, uh, however you want to call it. And he still says we're not super deep uh, on the wings. And I thought that that was kind of an interesting note yeah. uh, just because because obviously wing depth is something you and me have talked about for, for years on the roster. He gets three added to the team. And he's like, yeah, we're, we're still not. Like I, I wouldn't call it super heavy at the wings. So, uh, which, which really perhaps that was him saying like, Hey, I'm really, you know, I want to show my point guards that I think we're heavy at point guard. I want to show our bigs that I think we're heavy at big. It just is a little bit of a nod to like, Hey, this team doesn't belong to the wings. Uh, but uh, yeah, I would say that shows just how deficient this team has been at the wings. Uh, when, uh, uh, when they get three added to the roster with your and, and, and lane and, and Daruji getting active and, and Hey, they're still not, uh, yeah, they're still not uh, uh, they're still not considered heavy by our coach. But uh, hey, uh, something something that he said was uh, it will this will be as athletic a team uh, as I've had the opportunity to coach. So uh, does that get you excited? How does that make you feel? Yeah, I mean, look, uh, like I said, uh, personnel wise, it was like that Louisiana Tech team to me a little bit, um, but but certainly with much higher end talent and uh, higher end athleticism, and I think. You know, the last time he had a really athletic team, he went to the Elite Eight. <laughs> and it wasn't – I don't know. I mean, if he thinks it's – it's he said most athletic, so maybe he thinks this is more athletic uh, than that group. And I'm trying to think if maybe it is. You know, Canyon Berry, not an elite athlete, Wisconsin block aside. Uh, you know, so it's interesting. All right, we have – This week on Florida Basketball Hour, we have a special guest, a uh, longtime listener, which is always uh, a fun thing, but we want to mel- welcome uh, Matt Wolf to the show. Matt, how are you doing? Hey, Neil. Great to be here. And uh, Matt, we, you know, we, we kind of know you as, as sort of one of these uh, very diehard Florida basketball fans, but, but you do a lot of work in you know, with, with tickets and, and things of that nature. Why don't you tell, tell the fan base uh, and, and the listeners, you know, kind of how, you know, what your draw was to Florida basketball and, and maybe, you know, how you got involved with that. Sure. So I grew up in Marlboro, New Jersey, and I have a twin brother. He got accepted to the University of Florida and decided to go. My parents didn't trust me to go directly to college right out of high school. <laughs> So uh, I had to go to, to community college for a year. I actually got into University of Arizona, which is where my sister was at. And that was a, a strong possibility for me. But after a year of community school, I was lucky enough to get directly into UF. I followed my brother there. So once he was a Gator, I became a Gator fan. Obviously, once I got to the school, that uh, elevated a little bit. And it's been all downhill or uphill uh, <laughs> since, depending on how you're looking at it. 
<laughs> so Matt, you are uh, you are definitely uh, I would classify you as a diehard fan, uh, and uh, obviously not everyone has the uh, the flexibility, the means to to do uh, to do this as much as uh, someone like you. But you are someone who definitely uh, you definitely back the program with uh, with your entertainment dollar. You have seen the Gators play in a lot of different places. So uh, what what are uh, what are some of your uh, your year to year? Uh, kind of routines to see the Gators and, and what are some of the highlights, some, some of these one-off events that you've been to? Sure. So I, I'm a diehard football and basketball fan. Uh, football, I've gone to away game every year. I have yet to go to a, like a really true away game for the Gator basketball, which is it's on, the, uh, it's on the calendar eventually. But my friends and I, we go to the game down here in Sunrise, obviously, we go to at least two games during the year up in Gainesville, and I live in South Florida. Every year we go to the SEC basketball tournament. Uh, we've been doing it for 10. Some of us, I've been there, I think, 10, 10 years in a row, and my friend Brent uh, has been there 13 years in a row. We were all set to go, and we got a call the day before not to get on the plane. I went down to the Bahamas to watch the Gators Thanksgiving. I guess that was two years ago. I've been to the... Uh, final four to see the Gators win a national championship. And so that's uh, really, it's consistent. It's, it's been that way since I graduated. Uh, I just made it a priority. Even when I was making not a lot of money, um, I just made it a priority to go. That, that is awesome. That is, uh, that is goals right there. That, that many games. <laughs> so, so, um, and I, I would definitely encourage the, uh, the basketball away trip. Um, you know, I wouldn't say like everybody wants to go to Rupp and I guess you got to do it, but, but it's, uh, it's kind of interesting. Like once you get inside, it's a cathedral. Yeah. So, like it doesn't look like much from the outside. Like it's, it's really interesting. Like it's sort of like Cameron indoor in that respect. Although Cameron indoor doesn't really look like much on the inside either from what I've heard. <laughs> no, I've actually been to Cameron, not for a game. I used to, in my old job, I, the uh, Tobacco Road was part of my territory, so I actually was at Chapel Hill as well. Oh wow! And I think Chapel Hill reminds me more of Rupp because they have a museum in there. And I've been in when we went to the Kentucky football game. Game day was there, and we went into Rupp and we looked at that. They have a really cool museum at, at uh, Rupp Arena. Right. So if you get there, it's uh, it's it's definitely high on the list of the road games. You know, it's going to be a different environment in each city for football, like. You know, LSU and, and Texas A&M were great football environments. Maybe certain other schools might be better for the basketball environment. Definitely would go to Georgia because we, we don't get to Georgia football because of uh, yeah. the, the, the largest cocktail party. And, and Segment's great because it's uh, the Atlanta Gator Club puts a, puts a thing together. And, and usually you can hear – it's one of the road venues where you can really hear the Gators, which is kind of cool. Like every time we're there, I feel like on TV – you can really hear hear the Florida fans, and you know that's neat. I, I wish it were like that more places. It certainly should be like that at South Carolina, which isn't far. And you know Auburn, I think it's a capacity issue, or else it, you know maybe it would be like that on a weekend. But but uh, yeah, definitely get out and do it. So so what would you say? You know, you mentioned the Bahamas trip, and like the thing that's killing me is this idea that there there probably aren't going to be November tournaments if we're being realistic and like. Those are so much fun as a fan. Yeah, we were thinking about going up to Charleston for this year's event. Um, I, you know, they're, I think they're fun to go to 
but you got to play well. So we did not play well in the Bahamas, and it became, it became kind of a mess. If you went out the year before when we beat uh, Gonzaga, yeah, that's 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 got to be a much better environment. And that was a cool. That's got to be a really cool venue. Like you know, Bahamas is great, but I've been to Bahamas a lot. They just put a, in a, a gym inside of a, a hotel, so it was, it was okay. <laughs> it was okay. Every seat was good, but there's got to be better. Um, tournaments and that's going to be a big hit for for college basketball fans who during the winter want to go away and catch some hoops for their team yeah i know it will so i mean uh we've talked about some uh some games that you've been to that have been great and also unfortunately i had to touch on that tournament that was not so great uh but uh, uh you're gonna be uh you're gonna be putting on what uh, is going to be a monumental game in the history of florida basketball so i i say we get right into it can you uh can you explain what you uh been up to this last uh i'll say year but i'm sure you've been thinking about it for longer yeah so i actually started a company called ticket time machine it's a commemorative ticket company everything i do is uh gator branded i i my company colors are orange and blue and ticket time machine is putting on a game called the gator greats day of hoops and some of your fans uh, listeners might remember this about 11 years ago there was a similar event in Boca, Boca Raton at FAU in South Florida, where the Gator alumni players came and they signed autographs and took pictures and, and played an exhibition game. So I've actually been trying to get this back on the calendar for over 10 years. And wow. finally, we were able to get it on the books. We had the venue booked. We had the players in. We put, uh, got the website going, flyers and everything. We passed out flyers at the, the uh Orange Bowl Classic in December. I was up in January passing out flyers. Uh, and then we passed out more flyers at the Orange Bowl football game. And then this happened. So it was supposed to be August 1st. It's uh, going to be next August. We haven't set on a date or location. It was supposed to be in, in Miami this year. But maybe we might move it to Gainesville or Orlando, Tampa, maybe a little bit further north in Fort Lauderdale or Palm Beach. It's still up in the air. But we have some pretty big hitters that are committed to it. Joe Kim Noah, Eddie Shannon, Torian Green, uh, Spates is in, Teddy DuPay, Demet awesome. Hook, Dan Cross. <laughs> and so uh, I, I was told that Billy Donovan was in too. I don't know what next year will look like. We're going to invite everyone back, whether they're going to play or not. And we're going to have some uh, fun, some three-point contests, a slam dunk contest, horse. We'll have uh, possibly some live music. Um, silent auction, just a lot going on there, and it's going to be a great day. And stay tuned for information. So, a discussion we are going to have to have in the podcast at some point is who is going to win this three-point contest because that is going to be hotly contested with the uh, with the players that are going to be there. But uh, you know, Matt, like you have just an incredible work ethic. I know that from knowing you. And uh, I, I knew that you were going to do whatever it, take, whatever it was going to take to get this game going. Uh, but the thing is, like, sometimes when it comes to getting players to get involved in these things, it, it, it can be difficult. So uh, even though I knew you were going to do all the work possible, I was, I was kind of uh, – I, I was curious. I was like, hey, what, what players are, are going to be able to do this, are going to commit to it? Uh, and then one day you sent me the list of, of the players that said that they were going <laughs> to be able to make it. And I was in awe. Like, I, like I was truly in awe of the quality of player that said – uh, that said they were going to come to it. You were recruiting at a high level. You had the, you had the number one class. It was, uh, it was just an incredible <laughs> group of players. So, so Matt, how do, you, how do you go about getting Joakim Noah? How do you go about getting all these uh, great former Gators that we all love? How did you get them to commit? 
Yeah, so Major Parker was involved in the game 11 years ago, and and him and I have been in in contact for a a decade now. Uh, Very early on for years, Teddy Dupay was interested in helping, so he's been integral. Uh, Dan Cross has been great in also helping to to get uh, some word out to the players, and I've talked to Eddie Shannon quite a few times. Uh, I think people are going to want to be. The players are going to want to be there. So even if I don't have a yes Today, once they see all their friends and ex-players uh, going to be their ex-teammates and just, you know, uh, just a great day to celebrate Gator Hoops, I think you'll see other people that will fall in line. And, um, you know, I think they should. To, to go 11 years without everyone getting together is just, it's really unfortunate. I know everyone has friends and life gets in the way, but you got to celebrate. we got to keep this program going. we had some great teams, some great years. Uh, even some great teams that maybe fell short, they should be celebrated as well. Yeah, no, I, you know, I think, and that's what I love about it is, is that that kind of interest kind of speaks to that. I think it, it speaks to, you know, what this program is and, and, you know, I'll be honest. I mean, when I was, when I was growing up, uh, one of my first skater basketball memories really was, was the 94 team making the final four. And, and to think of how far, you know, this program has come to where now it's kind of recognized as this, you know, national brand. Um, Even if, you know, even if obviously right now there's a lot of questions swirling around, you know, kind of where the program's at, but, but certainly, you know, the history is, is other than, you know, other than Kentucky, it's, it's hard to find a a program with a richer history right now. and, And this is a great way to celebrate that. Yeah, so my brother went there in 94, so that was when they had the Final Four, right? And then 95, football makes the champ, national championship and loses, and then 96, they win the championship. So that was a great time, but who thought it would have been even better 10 years later when they <laughs> get two football championships and two basketball championships in three years? So yeah. I think that the Gator basketball program has elevated itself to the next level. We're not at that level that we want to be. There's still another level to go, but we've elevated from, um, I would say a very good program to everyone has different definitions, whatever you want to call it. I think we're an elite program, but there's still a level to go. That's higher us where you got Duke and Carolina and Kansas, and they don't have to really worry. A down year for them is, Hey, we made the tournament. We lost in the second round. And whereas a down year for us is we don't even know if we're going to make the tournament. So that's the difference. And if it's one year, it's just a blip. But we are, we're not out of the woods yet for that. No doubt. No doubt. Yeah, I'd have to say that's a that's a fair assessment. And I mean, there's definitely some uh, fans, I would say, uh, you know, I definitely see it on, on the Gator country forums that are just like, hey, we're the Gators. We should get every five star. We should make the <laughs> final four every year. And unfortunately, I just do not think that's a, that's an accurate look at, at the program. But uh, yeah, I'd say your assessment is accurate. And, and, and Matt, I, I think something that definitely resonates uh, with us and with what you're doing is uh, that's kind of the reason that this podcast was started. Was, yeah. was That was Neil. Neil, I'm speaking for you. Uh, but, uh, you know, it was Neil coming to me and saying like, hey, this is a this is a program that uh, maybe doesn't always get the uh, the third party coverage that it 
that it deserves. There wasn't anyone doing a podcast at the time covering the Gators. And uh, Neil was like, that's just not right. Like, uh, I, I don't know if we're the best people to do it, but uh, someone has to. And, uh, and we started. So I think that that's, uh, I think your message of like, hey, this is a fantastic program and these players need to be honored. Uh, it's just, yeah, it's a message I think we love here on the podcast. Well, I, I think that the program itself doesn't get the recognition like you say. I think even from the school, the UAA perspective, basketball is always going to take a second place to football, but there still should be more attention put because I think that we can take this program further from a fan perspective, not even just the players. Obviously, we've been there. I just don't think there's that many schools that, I'd, that I'm jealous of for their program. It's a handful of people that right. I would say are up that I would be like, yeah, I'd love to be there. And so that's a pretty good position to be in. And we've proven that we can win, albeit with Billy Donovan, but we've proven that we can win. There's no reason to think we can't win again. So I would think players would like to go there. Yeah, no, I mean, I, you know, I, they, they've won some with Mike too. So, you know, um, I think uh, I think the, the fact that, that they're – I put it this way. The fact that Mike White has made I – mean, they were going to make the NCAA tournament again this past season and there wasn't one. So the fact that it would have been four consecutive NCAA tournaments, one of which included an Elite Eight appearance, and there are people that are dissatisfied and, and not content, uh, you know, that doesn't just speak to Gator fans having – every fan base has expectations. That kind of, to me, speaks to what the expectation should be at Florida, that, that this is a program that's capable of consistent excellence. And, yeah, but Eric, Eric and I talk about that all the time. Yeah, like, I you know? say – I think we're going to win every game that we play, football and basketball. Now, I understand we're not going to, but I go in thinking there's no reason why we shouldn't win today. And I get that that's a fine way to think, but I don't get – like when we have, when we have struggles, I, you know, there have been times when I've been like, look, this is unacceptable. We need to be better. But I don't think that we're right. not in a good position and, and can't turn it around. No, no, I agree. And I, I just think that you know some of the – you know, there's there's this idea that pressure is a privilege, and I think I think that something that's kind of where Florida is in basketball now, and and that's a testament to the coaches that came before Mike that that elevated the program. I, I say coaches because I really don't want to to leave Lon Kruger out, but right, but he uh, was there when I got there. Yeah, so I mean, I think that that's that's awesome, and that's what makes events like the one that that you're gonna have, uh, you know, so so cool. So to tell us, let's close with this. What you know, I know. You know, you mentioned uh, that that stretch between 2006 and 2008. But is there, you know, football or basketball? Is there a favorite, you know, game that you've been to, and and why? Well, the cock block in football was is probably <laughs> was the most exciting. Um, it, I was actually in football, and I'll give you a basketball one. In football, I was actually at the I was at the national championship. It was in my, it was in my backyard, so that wasn't as exciting. Um, but the, I was at the Ole Miss game in, uh, that they lost, the Tebow Promise game. And it was just we, my friend Brent and I stood there for about 15 minutes after the game thinking, all right, it's not over. What, what are we going to do? We're at the bars, and all we can see is Tebow, Tebow, Tebow with his speech. And just that game just will, will be etched in my memory. Um, road games for football, I know it's basketball. Uh, Texas A&M might be my favorite city to go to for a game. We were supposed to go to Ole Miss this year, but that's obviously not going to happen. Uh, we really love the SEC basketball tournament. It's a great, great trip. Um, it's great to see all the other fans there. 
we've been lucky to be successful. So it's kind of like you're hanging around. Um, the final four that we that we lost was probably the worst experience I've ever been to. I mean, I in a million years I didn't think we would have lost that game. I I, I went in thinking we're going to be national champions again, and uh, it was heart, probably the most heartbreaking loss I've been a part of, aside from some of those first round knockouts. But I was sitting in, on my couch for those, and uh, <laughs> I was just looking forward. I think we have a great team coming up, and uh, excited about some of these new prospects and some of the people on the team to uh to take that next step hey it's a, it is exciting times uh, i both the basketball and football side and uh i i definitely think that uh uh for the basketball side too uh, a, a hopefully productive the year from this year uh, with a team that we think is pretty good here on the podcast hopefully that'll also get people pretty fired up to uh, uh to go see your game uh who do, who do you guys summer. think are the, the most exciting people coming in that we haven't seen on the court as a Gator yet. Oh, well, uh, I, I mean, for me, it's Tyree Appleby. Uh, that's someone who I'm just super excited for as someone who, uh, who I think is going to step in right away and, and play a huge role. And I mean, I, I definitely love the, you know, a couple of fresh or both of our freshmen coming in. Uh, but I think looking for players that we haven't seen that are going to, you know, go for a, uh, come on the scene. I think it's a, who I think is going to be our starting play guard in this fourth year. Will he be starting from day one? I think so. That's, uh, yeah. that's definitely my prediction. And, uh, I've, I've wrote about, I think like, Hey, he's going to be in his fourth year of college basketball. I, I think he's got a skill set that's, uh, that really well fits what Mike White wants to do. So, uh, I, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not inking him in as a starter, but I think it's like more than a pencil, whatever that, whatever that middle writing implement <laughs> is. That's what I've got Tyree Appleby as. Nice. Yeah. yeah we, we got a couple of New Jersey players from where I'm from. So Scotty Lewis, if he didn't go to Ranny would have been to the high school from where I grew up. Um, and then also obviously Klatsky, but, um, Niels Lane is from the city that I was born in. So a lot of New Jersey, uh, basketball players coming down to Florida is pretty good. Obviously we had Rosario too. And, and, uh, Dan Werner. So of the players that were, (laughs) so of the players that were, uh, committed to play uh, if the game ended up being the summer let's hope they're all going to be committed next summer and I, I think they they likely will be uh who are you most excited to see play Matt so actually one person who I haven't been able to list on but I've had several conversations I was at Butler the Butler away game this year and I talked to Lee Humphrey I also talked to him at one of the Gator games and he says as long as his schedule is good he's in um he's what maybe my favorite player ever at least one of them um Horford is another one that I think eventually will go uh, I actually think Humphrey w- could possibly win the three-point contest. Although I actually, I stopped by Tampa and and talked to Teddy Dupay. He was teaching uh, one of his camps, and he was shooting like he better than he, I've ever seen him shoot. So <laughs> I wouldn't put any money against Dupay. But uh, Lee Humphrey's one of my all-time favorites, all-around great guy, and I'd love to see him uh, come to this game. I, I mean, the game is obviously going to be the highlight of, uh, of what is going to be like uh, one heck of a day that you're putting together. But, man, I, I honestly think like there's going to be a lot of people that I think the three point contest will be a highlight, uh, especially if, if, if Lee Humphrey is there. But uh, uh, everyone loves three point contests. And the Gators have had some, some serious shooters. And if those guys yeah. uh, come to play and want that, uh, want those bragging rights, that's going to be a ton of fun. Yeah, I got to say, if, if the all time NCAA tournament leader in three-point field goals loses to Teddy Dupay. That, that's going to actually be big. <laughs> that'll be big news. Well, I think Frazier is going to be there. Roberson, um, <laughs> Boynton. He's going to have some competition for sure. Keep took those uh, Steph Curry threes. 
Yeah. Back in the day. Way, you know? way downtown. Yeah, he didn't care. That one he hit to beat Georgia was was from Mickinopi. Oh, we, were, we were at that game. That was the <laughs> yes. only game we were at. Unbelievable. Yes. Unreal. Yeah. So yeah. Good times, Matt. Thanks for uh thanks for stopping by. Hey, thanks for having me. And as always, go Gators. Right, go Gators.